If you want a great conversation with a Philadelphia sports figure you should know more about, listen to one-on-one with Matt Leon on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. So guys, we're all performers of sorts. You know, we are clearly comfortable in front of an audience, although we can't actually see our audience. You know that I do community theater and I am comfortable on a stage, but one type of performing that I don't know if I could ever do is improv or freestyle. The idea of me getting on stage and rapping or doing anything of that nature went out the window when I was in high school. Those days of, of beating on the table in the cafeteria creating beats, that's about as far as I would ever go. But getting me in front of a, an actual group of people to try to spit, not going to happen. Yeah, Rizal, I am not. But I will say to a certain extent, while it's not in terms of like rap, I think that what we do on an everyday basis is in some way a form of improv and freestyle. We're here, we're talking. Do we follow a general script? Yes, but it's not like everything is plotted out exactly. So I'd like to think in the spirit in some ways, we're, we're kind of walking on this tightrope, not knowing what direction we're going to go in. And I, I actually think it's fun. I think it's really cool and exciting, not always knowing what direction a conversation is going to take you, that sort of thing. I mean, somewhat, yeah. We don't have a script or anything, but we do have notes and we do know our topic ahead of time. So it's not like having a topic shouted to you from the audience and then coming up with a rhyme on the spot. Like that is a whole other level to me. I would agree. Now, we will leave the freestyling to the experts, such as Anthony Veneziale. Now, he's the creator, or one of the creators, of Freestyle Love Supreme. You might be asking what that is. Well, we'll tell you what that is when we talk to him today. I'm Jay Scott Smith. I'm Sabrina Boyd-Circa. I'm Brian Seltzer. So, guys, have either of you heard of Freestyle Love Supreme before? No. This is the first I've heard of it. I've heard of a lot of different things surrounding hip-hop. This is a first for me. All right. Well, one person that I know you've heard of is Lin-Manuel Miranda. He's one of the many brains behind this. This was one of the first things he ever did way back in 2004. Now it's evolved a lot since then, and it's coming on towards the Kimmel Cultural Campus in early June. Unfortunately, Lin-Manuel himself won't be there, but Anthony Viniziale will. He is another one of the co-creators. Anthony was born in Philly, and he grew up in New Hope. Guys, he really loves Philly. My grandparents lived in, in, you know, Port Richmond, Northeast, Allegheny Avenue exit. Let's go Fishtown. Um, and I was there every single weekend. Uh, we were always known as Johnny and the Boys. And Philly has got such a great music scene. And I mean, the roots, like, let's talk about one of the greatest hip hop bands of all time. It comes out of Philadelphia. Like, the roots and the sound that the roots have in their show is such a huge inspiration for us and for me and for what this show is as well. Um, and it was definitely like a pinch you moment when <laughs> Black Thought introduced us at the Tony Awards when we received a Tony Award for an improv rap music show, which it just feels like a dream on top of a dream that I didn't know you could have. So, you know, bottom line is, is that Philly is strongly represented in the show and I cannot wait to do this show in Philly because most of the audience will be my family. But Anthony actually went to college at Wesleyan University in Connecticut, which is where he met the famous Lin-Manuel Miranda before he was famous. So I knew Lynn at college. I was his film TA. (laughs) Um, And I heard this kid could like freestyle rap. And I was doing freestyle at school. So I was a part of an improv group there at Wesleyan University called Gag Reflex. And so I got to meet Lynn because then he put on a show. The sort of one act version of In the Heights happened right after I left. But all my friends and and I knew of Lynn and they were like, you've got to come back and see this. And then Tommy 
also had graduated. So he and I started a production company and the first musical we ever optioned to, that, you know, to try to like build was in the Heights. Um, and so those are the very first experimental ones and like rehearsals, like I was there and I would break in and during breaks, I'd be like, Lynn, let's freestyle. Like, let's, let's let loose. Let's use this for your writing. Um, and then eventually I just convinced him to do it in front of people. And when he's talking about Tommy, by the way, that's Thomas Kale, who directed In the Heights in Hamilton. He's sort of the third core member that started Freestyle Love Supreme. And so Freestyle Love Supreme sort of evolved from there. It's an improv freestyle show. They take prompts from the audience, completely different show every night. And some people love it so much that they go regularly. They go back multiple times because you can do that when you have an improv style like this and it'll be different. Anthony says that one thing that really influenced him when they were creating this group was trying to blend different cultures and include diverse people. So I was doing improv in New York City in the late 90s, early 2000s, and we had a lot of white men doing it. Uh, <laughs> so I like looked around, I was like, why this is not what I'm doing improv for and why I do theater. Theater for me has always been a great place to ask the question of what is race in, the, in our country? Uh, and so I thought, what if we create a show that actually is in the vernacular of hip hop, which is a black art form that started in the Bronx. And like, you know, that is a space in which black and brown bodies found comfort and joy in those breakbeats. And so what if we match that up with improv, which is a pretty white art form. And that started with Viola Spolin in Chicago. Like that is an incredible story there as well. She started to do these like theater games with immigrants so they felt accepted in their community and that people could recognize the differences and celebrate them. So freestyle is kind of like that sweet spot in between the hip hop world and the improv world. Now, Jay, I know you love hip hop. I really think that you and Anthony would get along really well because he knows so much about the history of hip hop and freestyle. And I think, I feel like you guys could chat for a while about that. Oh, I, I can already tell because he, he's a guy who's kind of after my own heart on that thing. I've been into, I've been into hip hop and rap music since I was a little kid and not, and it is a lot about the art form that so often it gets dismissed as it's always just a bunch of guys just, just talking or rapping. But there's, there's a, as you mentioned, there's a science to this. There's a, there's a way of doing this that not a lot of people can pull off. Anthony also knows a lot about that, too. I asked him what goes on in your brain when you do a freestyle. And by that, I just meant, like, what are you thinking? But he took that very literally and broke down scientifically what happens inside your brain. I happen to be incredibly lucky in that I'm studying and doing research on people's brains uh, while they freestyle rap and while they do improv. So we put people in fMRI machines, which are functional magnetic resonance imaging machines, like these big giant magnets that spin super fast and you get put inside of it. And what we're noticing is that you're kind of employing two different parts of your brain simultaneously. One's called your dorsal lateral prefrontal cortex. That's your judging brain or your effortful planning brain. Super helpful part of your brain, really useful. Um, but also a little bit more triggered by the amygdala, which is your fear center, which then leads to fight or flight. Uh, and then there's this other part of your brain, which is your medial lateral prefrontal cortex, which is your state of flow. And when you get into that, you're just like time disappears and you're like crushing it. And by the, like you're when you get done doing this like yoga or stitching or coding for some people, you're just like, how did eight hours just go by? Right. You were like so in the zone. Uh, freestyle rapping tends to be a bit of a communication between those two parts. It's like an improv scene between two people, but between two different parts of your brain. All right. So here's where things get really fun. He actually did a freestyle on the spot during the interview to demonstrate all of this. So Anthony asked me for a topic. We recorded this right before Mother's Day. So that's just what was on my mind. And this is what he came up with. 
Boom. Okay. So Mother's Day freestyle. So immediately I'm like Mother's Day, usually the first weekend in May, boom, weekend in May. And then another dart that I'll try to quickly throw is like Hallmark. Like I think it's an invented uh, holiday, right? By Hallmark, right? So it's like, okay. And, and it's moms. We should definitely give love to moms. Um, and then it's kids. Okay, great. So I just thrown like four darts at the dartboard, right? Which is like first weekend in May, Hallmark, mothers, kids. Cool. That's all sort of just like just tent poles inside of my mind. And now I need to have the beat. So whatever the beat might be. So it's, if it's like a boom, 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 I'm like, oh, that's kind of like a laid back beat. I kind of need to find that pocket. So it might be something like this here, May. It's the seventh day. We'll be celebrating with the mothers that ain't hating. The life with the kids and moms, you know, so it's like, you just kind of have to find that flow, find that relationship. And then, you know, that you've got those tent poles to kind of hit, right? So it's like, all right, yep, the seventh day in May. All right, being a mom. And then I would probably end it with something like, um, every Mother's Day after dark, you know, it's made up by Hallmark, but that's all right. We got that spark because moms help us live. You know, like, boom, whatever, whatever that thing might sort of be the nice ending with a little bit of like self-deprecation, because that's who I am as a human being. I, I like that he actually put the beat there with it, too, where I, I, <laughs> Brian mentioned Rozelle. That is kind of like a Rozelle sort of sound to it. And y'all know how much I love the roots anyway. I mean, Anthony, he does take a lot of influence from his Philly roots. Pun was not intended, but it's <laughs> there. <laughs> and I mean, he did all of that in like off the top of his head in a minute on the spot. I said Mother's Day. And then he was just like, boom, here's a Mother's Day freestyle. Just blows my mind. He is going to be in town for Freestyle Love Supreme. He's so excited to come back to Philly to perform here too. It's going to be at the Miller Theater from June 7th until the 12th. And they just announced two new cast members. So this will be exciting to theater folk like myself. James Monroe Iglehart, who won a Tony for his performance as the genie in Aladdin on Broadway, and Christopher Jackson, who was the original George Washington in Hamilton. You know, they're part of this Lin-Manuel Miranda club, and I feel like in Freestyle Love Supreme, the cast rotates. Anybody in that club could show up at any point in time, so you just never know what's going to happen. It's such an amazing thing that, I mean, and yes, obviously, Anthony's a big part of this, but that Lin-Manuel Miranda's had this sort of imprint on kind of really bringing hip hop into theater and not just on the fringes, but really making it a big part of it. That sounds really, really cool. It's also, I also should mention there, mention the roots too. Questlove received an honorary doctorate from the University of the Arts yesterday as well. He got to speak during their commencement. So I want to make sure we shout out the Philly original from the legendary roots crew who got awarded a doctorate. It's like hip hop is all over the place as we head through this weekend, but coming up, We'll talk to Dave Uram about the insanely passionate group of fans that have stood by the Philadelphia Union through thick, thin, rain, snow, sunshine, and even before they existed, this group was around bigging up the Philadelphia Union. And we'll bring that in for the Sports Fan of the Week after this. I'm Jay. I'm Sabrina. I'm Brian. And the Philadelphia Union are off to yet another great start this year, and they're coming off their best season ever last year. But since the club started playing in 2010, they've also had one of the most passionate supporter groups in all of Major League Soccer, the Sons of Ben. 
and they are our Philadelphia Sports Fan of the Week. And we welcome in Dave Uram to tell us about them, the newly married Dave Uram, by the way. Congratulations first, Dave. Thank you, Jay. It is great to be on the John cast as a, as you mentioned, newly married man with a beautiful ring that I have from my marriage to my beautiful wife, Sonia. So thank you. That's very kind of you. It's fantastic, man. And Dave, this week, you got the story of the incredible Sons of Ben. Well, who are the Sons of Ben, Jay? They are the supporters of the Philadelphia Union. They actually predate the club. So this is Sons of Ben president, Mac and Dasik. It is standing room only. Um, you can sit during halftime. And uh, we, we sing and chant the entire 90 minutes. So we are the official supporters group. And what's unique about us is we actually, our origins predate the team. Um, a couple of guys that were founders of the Sons of Ben did what I call the most Philadelphia thing ever. They got upset that Major League Soccer was overlooking a market like Philadelphia and said, eh, we're going to start a supporters group for the team that doesn't exist. So we actually predate the team by three years. So that's kind of the unique story of the Sons of Ben and how the union and MLS soccer came to Philadelphia. If you have not been to a union match, they sit on the Riverside. Actually, I keep saying they sit on the Riverside, Jay. They stand on the Riverside. <laughs> they, they don't sit, as you heard Matt say, standing room only. They sit at halftime. They stand on the Riverside. They chant. They cheer throughout the entire game. They have these big drums and the smoke comes up, the yellow and blue smoke of the Union colors comes up when they play those drums after a goal. What is the atmosphere like in the Sons of Ben section? This is Sons of Ben member Jeff Mitchell, who calls himself the brand ambassador, the unofficial brand ambassador of the Sons of Ben. Oh, it's incredible. And, you know, uh, it's kind of reminiscent of the old uh, 700 level in, in Veteran Stadium, like a smaller fan base. But it's more, it's just very rabid. You know, there's not a lot of casual people that show up to the stadium. Like you said, when you're going down there, it's usually because you really have a passion for soccer. And you may not like soccer, but if you go to a game. Everybody I brought that does it, I don't like soccer, Jeff, come to one game. After one game, they've been won over because of the atmosphere. And Jay, not only are the Union fans, the sons of Ben, big soccer fans, big supporters of their team in Chester, but they're a 501c3. They do community service. Yeah, Matt and Jeff were explaining that to me. They really embrace connecting with the city of Chester. They find it very important. I've come to see it as my second home, and I'm rooting for Chester because, you know, some people have written off Chester as being like the most dangerous place. We've been going there 12 years. We've met amazing people in the community, made amazing relationships, and, uh, you know, just like with soccer, we want to welcome them into our culture and they have welcomed us into their culture and we love it. That's what, you know, for me, that's what it's all about. So, Jay, the Philadelphia Sports Fans of the Week are the Sons of Ben, the union support group, as well as brand ambassador Jeff Mitchell. And anybody else who wants to be nominated to be our Sports Fan of the Week, you can follow Dave on Twitter at Mr. Uram for more information, as well as simply checking out the link in the show notes to find out how you can be the KYW Sports Fan of the Week. Dave Uram, thank you so much once again for coming on with us. Always enjoy coming on the Johncast, Jay. Guys, I saw one yesterday, or I should say my kids saw one of them, the dreaded, infamous Spotted lantern fly. They are back. Have you seen them yet? 
I haven't seen one as of yet. I thought maybe we weren't going to see him again toward the summer. I thought they were still kind of just hanging out in hibernation for right now. I haven't seen one yet this year, but I have seen so many of them in the past few years just littering the Philadelphia sidewalks. I know that they are harmless to humans, maybe not so harmless to trees, but they're pretty gross. They look pretty at first, but when there are that many of them. Earlier this week, our pal Justin Udo filed a story warning us that, yes, lanternfly season is going to be back in effect soon. It is on the horizon. So we were thinking, Justin, let's make this week's theme a pesky problem for your Udo haiku. Yes, yes. You know, um, this problem um, that I I wrote a haiku about um, actually stemmed from a story I went to the other day where FDR Park, they um, have a $250 million renovation coming to the park. They're putting up a new welcome center. They're they're changing the landscape in some places. They're just making it more family and user-friendly, um, really to bring people there because it is such a, a great, diverse kind of melting pot of a place. But while at that story, I'm, I'm listening to everyone talk. They're doing a groundbreaking look into a tree. And as we know, over the last few years, we've had a problem in this area, especially with those spotted lanternflies. So I saw a lot of them in, in their younger forms are black with white dots on them and they were taking over this tree. So I pointed it out to the Parks and Recreation Commissioner, um, some higher ups there and said, hey, we they're back. What are we going to do about them? And and I took some pictures of them too. So that that's where we are. That kind of inspired our Udo haiku for this week. I cannot wait to hear it. This has to be a first, a haiku about the spotted lanternfly. Well, and I'll read it momentarily, but the, the, the great thing about it is, you know, haiku with the Japanese origins, um, a lot of times focuses on nature. So to, to write one about this was actually kind of really brought me kind of back to the, the roots of haiku. And this week's Tuda Haiku about the spotted lanternfly, I'll read it to you now and I'll read twice in its traditional form. It says, peaceful plants slumber, suddenly disturbed by the hungry lantern flies. Peaceful plants slumber, suddenly disturbed by the hungry lantern flies. An Udo haiku. Fantastic. The thing that I'm fascinated about when it comes to the spotted lantern fly is their hops in their like larva infant form. Their ability to jump around because our kids, like we give them a game. We don't want them to maim or hurt things. We're just like, try and catch the spotted lantern fly when they're the youngins. The, the bugs, and they just hop all over the place. It amazes me. Well, here's a trick for your kids that they might not know. When they're in that stage and they're able to jump like that, they have two, maybe three jumps max before they lose that energy, and that's when you go after them and you can smash them. You should get into pest control as well as poetry writing and reporting. <laughs> that's great knowledge. No, you know what? We, we've been we've been covering these things for like the last four or five years, so like each year it's you get like a little more and more information about them. But yeah, in that stage, they have two, maybe three big jumps usually, and then you're you can uh, they run out of energy, and that's when you make your attack. I love it. I love it, Justin. Great <laughs> stuff as always. Thanks, man. Thank you. <laughs> One more thing before we wrap up for the week. You know we're tight with the Bridging Philly crew. We've had host Raquel Williams on here a bunch of times. They have a new episode coming out on Sunday that I'm really looking forward to. They have an interview with the Philadelphia Department of Prisons Commissioner Blanche Carney about some pretty disturbing allegations within the system. Our main focus is to keep the population safe as well as the workforce. And we have been responsive when we've had incidents. And I think one of the things, it's easy to point out all the things that are wrong, but did we maintain our responsivity throughout every response? Yes, we did. 
So that episode drops on Sunday morning. If you're looking for some weekend or early next week listening, check it out. We will link to the podcast in our show notes, or you can always follow at Bridging Philly on Twitter. And that's all we have for today and for this week. I'm Jay Scott Smith. I'm Sabrina Boyd-Circa. I'm Brian Seltzer. You guys have a great weekend. Stay cool out there. The first hot weekend of the year is coming at you, and we'll see you again on Monday.